Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank You for this Lord's Day, this day that is set apart for resting in You and worshiping You. And we thank You uh, that on this Lord's Day, uh, today, we can gather together for this class and we can gather together for our parish groups and we can gather together for meals and we can, most importantly, gather together uh, as Your people to worship You in person. We thank You for this blessing. We thank You for this privilege. And we pray now in this time of teaching that You would guide us, and direct us by your Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so just as a quick recap, uh, we've been looking at the characteristics of a godly home. Uh, as I have told you, and as now you have uh, witnessed firsthand, um, I've been uh, somewhat uh, generous in uh, my use of the Proverbs to sort of guide this topic. Uh, some of the Proverbs I'm using uh, deal with the home explicitly. Uh, some of them I'm tying in uh, to develop an, an overall uh, picture of the, of the godly home. Uh, but <clears throat> where we uh, covered la- the last two weeks is the characteristics of a godly home, according to the Proverbs, uh, is righteousness, uh, is love, is forgiveness, is discipline, is peace, and is wisdom. And that's where we left off uh, last week. Uh, Today, where we pick up is uh, on the characteristic of honesty. Honesty, that's number seven on the old handout from last week. That's number one on the handout that you have uh, today. So let's look at this proverb uh, and see what this has to teach us and how it pertains to the home. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, again, this is one of those proverbs that I have uh, borrowed to develop a theme within a godly home. It doesn't explicitly state the home, but I think that we would all agree that honesty is a characteristic of a, a godly home. And so let's make sure that we understand what this proverb is saying. So first of all, as again, uh, the proverbs are not promises, they're truisms, right? So it's teaching us something by this statement, and it says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. So it's a comparative truism, the first clause is a comparative truism, and it's comparing open rebuke and hidden love. Now again, in the literature, the poetry of the proverbs, uh, we're often given uh, examples by virtue of hyperbole, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean that it, that love is, all, or the, the, the rebuke is always open, or that it's always a rebuke, or the love is always hidden, but it's giving us these extremes to paint a picture, and what is the story? What are we being taught here in this first clause? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. What is the general truth of this truism? And and it's going to be developed with the the following two clauses, but let's best understand this first. (laughs) 
That's right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, friendship is is something, as you said, to, to be shared. But but also a, a true friend, uh, or we take this into the home, a, a true uh, brother uh, is is going to uh, uh, deal with something in our lives, and and that's a good thing, and and that's that's better than love that is is hidden, never expressed. May presume that love is there, uh, but that's not the case. And also, underlying this is that rebuke oftentimes can be correlated to love, right? I mean, we think about in terms of discipline our children. We we discipline our children because we love our children, uh, and we 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 also know that not disciplining our children is typically a form of not caring or not loving, and so uh, that could be the case here as well. What else is this this true? What what else is another truth of this truism? Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is this is we we might presume this is very personal. Yes, that's 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 a great point. This is in the context of relationship. Yeah. Just since we're on your marriage counseling right now, is this something that's a recurring theme in your relationship? <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you know, I, I mean, I think about this example is uh, I'd been struggling with, with something that I had been confronted with, and I was really at a, at a quandary. Uh, am, am I in, in the right the way that I'm thinking? Am I in the wrong? And how should I respond to this? And, um, and so I, I called uh, one of my dearest, closest friends, and, and I just laid it all out for him. And, uh, and, and his response, and, and this, is, this comes from a heart of, of love, he said, John, you're thinking about it the right way but the way that you want to respond is wrong. Don't do it. And, um, and I thought, oh, liar. Yeah, not what I wanted to hear, right? Um, but also in that, there was just a real sense of this is someone who genuinely cares for me. And, and so uh, that, that's the case. Well, so, so we, we now, let's flesh this out a little bit further as the sage does for us. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What's the, what's the general truth there? What's this teaching us? <clears throat> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, friend to your face, but not to your back, right? I mean, over and over, the Proverbs deals with flattery, right? Flattery, in fact, is a sin. And, and so in this case, there can be someone that, that just shows all sort of, of this, this ushy-gushy kind of, of, of uh, embracing you. In this case, the sage is using the metaphor of a kiss. Uh, but it's not to be trusted, is it? And how many of us have, have uh, people in our, our lives where we sort of kind of picked up on that, haven't we? And it's kind of like, okay, here, here it comes again. And, and we know it's not genuine. And yet, it, those who are, 
our true friends, those who are truly faithful to us, uh, they can even, and again, this is hyperbole, but they can wound us in a sense, and yet we know that it's coming from a position of love. And that's why that it is, uh, it, it's an expression of, of love, right? So honesty is a blessing within the godly home. Honesty, of course, is something that we're all to practice in our lives. The, the next one that I've got here is help or support. Help or support. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Okay, what, what's the general truth of this truism. Well, I'll start here, but I really want your feedback on the second clause. The first one, it's a, it's a no-brainer, right? I mean, someone who's really a friend, a true friend is, is going to, to love you no, no matter what. Uh, I had a, a friend of mine a couple of years ago that was going through an absolutely terrible time in, in his life, and uh, and, and I really was wanting to get to the truth of the matter. And, and I said to him, I said, I want you to tell me the truth. And, and if the answer is this, that is not good, and I'm not going to want to hear it, and it's going to really bother me, I just want you to know I love you and I'll be your friend no matter what. So just tell me, tell me the truth so that I can help walk along this path with you. Uh, and I think that he did tell me the truth, uh, and uh, it was not nearly as bad as I had imagined. Um, but nevertheless, uh, a friend loves at all times. But the second part of this clause says, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, <clears throat> first of all, before I ask the question, note what the, poet, what the sage has done here. He has now inserted another proper noun. We've gone from a friend to a what? To a brother. So just in that, he's teaching. Don't forget, the sage will use just words to teach us, I mean individual words, to teach us what he is teaching us. So now all of a sudden, he's inserted brother instead of friend, and he said something about this brother, so to speak. And what does he say? That he is born for adversity. He's born for adversity. What does, that's, that's, an, that's a Hebrew idiom. What does that mean? He's born for adversity. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's very insightful. I'm pretty sure that's not what he means here. Um, but but, but we, we, we're now peering into their marriage and your childhood. So, and and I'm, I'm, nor, I'm not educated nor qualified to go there with either one of you, right? So, um, but uh, we'll see if we can find you some help. Um, so, so what, what, what did... Uh, Oh, good grief. I've just gone blank. Uh, Esther's, Esther's uncle. Uh, Mordecai. Mordecai. I was going to say Malachi. What, 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 did, what did, in the, the pinnacle of crisis, what did Mordecai say to Esther? You may, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, you may very well have been born. 
You may have just been risen up. You may have just, in other words, everything in your life may have been leading to this one moment in time. You may have, have been here for this. And, and so the general idea is, is that <clears throat> the sage has now inserted the word brother, which implies it could, of course, be talking about a family relationship, but that's not the point. Uh, in fact, to emphasize that is to lose the whole point of the proverb. He's playing on words to take us into the emphasis of relationship. And in that relationship, there very well could be someone in your life who God has providentially placed for such a time as this. And, and again, now, as soon as I say that, now the heads start shaking because when many of us have gone through a difficult time, God has typically brought someone into our lives, a friend, maybe it's a relative, but oftentimes it's a, a friend, and they brought that person into our lives, and we think they were here at just the right time. I needed that person, and God providentially placed that uh, person in my life. The, but if then we go back to the poet's distinction between friend and brother, we also then may deduce that if we don't develop relationships in our lives, we will be lacking that brother in the time of adversity. And so there's an emphasis here on our need for help, our need for support. Uh, it is a beautiful thing to enjoy uh, loving friendships. And so we see that here. Number nine, a prudent spouse. A prudent spouse. Now, as I said at the, at the beginning, <clears throat> a home doesn't, re, uh, in terms of the, the nuclear family, uh, we can glean from the Proverbs with a home being a single mom or a single dad or uh, a home with no children or whatever the case is. Uh, so we need to remember that. But specifically on the term of the benefit of a prudent spouse, uh, we go to Proverbs 19 where it says, House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. What's, this is low-hanging fruit, right? What, what's the general truth of this truism? Well, to, so to help you here, the first clause, um, wealth can come from other places other than fathers, right? Uh, that's not the point. So don't get stuck there. Uh, it is true that, that a, an inheritance can be passed down, but that's, that's not always the case. But what it's saying is, is that oftentimes this is a blessing to someone and it comes through that person. But then the second clause tells us what? Comes only from the Lord. That's right. So it's, it's the, the sage is using this point of contrast of wealth and riches. A prudent spouse is wealth and riches, right? So, so the, the point is, is that as we look at this, which comes through someone, a prudent spouse we see comes as a gift from the Lord. And so that is also a godly char characteristic of the home. Uh, next, we see uh, marital intimacy. Marital intimacy. And again, this would be in the context of a husband and wife, but 
Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a, gross, a graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. So we've now stepped into the adults only section of the Sunday school class, right? Um, so in, in general, what is this telling us about marital intimacy? It's good. What are some of the characteristics of this, this goodness? So a couple of things I want you to look at as you're thinking about that question. Um, first of all, note that it is a point of remembrance. So, I mean, we, we, we don't know the, the average age of, 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 of the reader in this case, but again, scholars tell us Proverbs were probably originally taught to the young men who are being raised up within the kingdom uh, for obligations and serving within that kingdom. And so imagine telling a young man, and I'm, by the way, I'm inserting this. This is just added uh, commentary. I'm not pulling this by virtue of exegesis. I'm introducing it into the text. But think with me for just a second. I'm a man. I'm teaching a young man who is yet to be married, who's yet to know marital life nor marital intimacy, and I tell him this. Don't forget. Don't forget. Right? Because what's the tendency? To forget. You, 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 you've, you've been married. That young man will have been married a year and all things are new. That man, that man will have been married for 20 years, and what? It's all commonplace, right? As, as one Bible teacher said, that, that it's very easy uh, for a marital company, couple to be married that long, and they just uh, relate to each other as the butler and maid of the house. That, that's not what this is talking about, Right? Remember back to the wife of your youth. Or you, could, you can insert that, the spouse of your youth. And then there's an appreciation there. A lovely deer, a graceful doe is looking at something that is, is appreciated, something that is beautiful. And then furthermore, to be intoxicated always in her love emphasizes what? Incidentally, in whether you're embarrassed to talk about this or not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to try to rescue this from this. But look, this is something that our kids and grandkids need to hear. Yeah. This is something the generation needs to hear, is love requires effort. It's not something that you fall into and out of based on the whims of your emotions, right? Yeah. The whims of my emotions change on an every 60-minute cycle, right? Slower than yours, I'm kidding, but I mean the point is, is that, that the next generation, these young men, theoretically, who are studying Proverbs for the first time, and these people in 2022, we need to be told that love's not something that you fall in and out of, but it is something that you work toward. And in order for you to be intoxicated, as the term is used here, in his or her love requires what? Did you note there those are verbs? Be intoxicated. Intoxicated put in the past tense, meaning 
action. This is something that you are doing. You're always doing this. You're always working at this. Marriage requires work. And to enjoy an intimacy, a marital intimacy within the godly home requires both the husband and the wife to be engaged and to be active in that. What's that? Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's right. I mean, that's a good thing to bring up because that's sort of the inference is that the, the, the inference is, is that you're not being, the spouse is not being satisfied by someone else, but they're looking to the spouse within the fidelity of that marriage. And that, that's a great point. Yeah, faithfulness within, within the marriage. That's good. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. Anything else? Yeah. We know you were really just seeking for counsel there. And Rusty's going to talk to you after Sunday school, by the way. Yeah, you're in luck. Ooh. Ooh. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 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 No, it's okay. We classify you as an old timer. It's okay. <laughs> no, you know what? I love that you picked that out. I mean, to, to be intoxicated. So first of all, just to clear the, the air, we are Presbyterians, not Baptists. So now that we got that out of the way, we can talk, talk about uh, forms of intoxication. In this case, intoxication involves what? Uh, I, well, for one, we could just say is uh, that, that there is a lack of inhibition, right? To your point. To be silly and crazy in love again. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, I'm so glad you pointed that out. That's good. Anything else on this? Yeah. It's not just going to happen to you. you got, it's effort. That's good.